From Schwartz Media, I'm Ruby Jones. This is 7am. For months now, federal Labor leader Anthony Albanese has been facing growing speculation about his leadership. This week, there were the strongest signs yet that his party isn't happy with his performance. But a sweeping reshuffle of his front bench looks like an attempt to try and quell some of that discontent. So with 2021 shaping up as an election year, what is Albanese's plan and how likely is a challenge? Today, contributing editor to The Monthly, Rachel Withers, on the future of the Labor leadership and how the party is placed to take on Scott Morrison. Thank you for coming in. How are you? I'm all right, yeah. How are you? Good. It's all happening. <laughs> so many things are happening. Yeah, yeah, I know. Um, did you watch 7.30 last I night? just watched it this morning. Um, cool. All right, you good to go? Yeah. Rachel, let's start with former Labor leader Bill Shorten and what he said last Sunday because his comments seem to have really kicked off the, the latest round of leadership speculation within Labor. So tell me about what it was that he said exactly. So Bill Shorten was giving a speech at a Labor Right book launch at a bookshop in Melbourne on Sunday. It's great that on a Sunday afternoon we've got the opportunity to be at the launch of an important and timely book. And in those remarks, which were leaked in advance to the nine papers, Shorten said that a tiny policy agenda was not the way for Labor to go. We must be an opposition that stands for something. Labor cannot simply be the negative party of opposition. Acknowledging that too cluttered or too large an agenda had obviously not been the way to go in 2019 either. I have learned that the party must understand and appreciate the dangers of taking too large, too cluttered, too detailed policy agenda to the election. And he said that there was plenty of room between being the party of too many ideas and the party that is such a small target that nobody actually knows what it stands for. Labor is judged by a higher standard. And Labor is at its best when it offers a positive and exciting vision for people, not just the repudiation of the sterile views of the right. Those comments have been widely seen as an attack on Anthony Albanese's leadership. Uh, I think no less than six outlets refer to it as a thinly veiled swipe and it's certainly set tongues wagging again about whether Anthony Albanese's leadership is secure and how the party's feeling about having him at the top going into what might be an election year. Okay, so these comments, which, as you say, are being interpreted as a fairly deliberate attempt to stoke leadership tension within Labor, does does Shorten stand by them? Bill Shorten, welcome back to breakfast. Hi, Fran, but just before we start, I think uh, that's not quite right, what we, what you just described as what I've said. Really? So okay. Wanted... So he has since gone on ABC Radio and said... You know, he's not planning to challenge Anthony Albanese. He's, he doesn't have any more leadership ambitions and then he doesn't think Labor has a tiny policy agenda. No, I don't think we have a tiny policy agenda, but I do think it's important that we learn the lessons of the past, but we don't learn the wrong lessons. And being um, having a, a no policy 
approach would be, uh, I think, a mistake. I don't yes, think but, we make but, any- but he's an experienced politician. You know, he would have known that this was going to be all over the news cycle and it seemed clear that he was trying to get this leadership chatter off and running again. If it's not for himself to challenge, it might be a stalking horse for somebody else to come forward. Certainly he has made it clear that there are deep, deep concerns in the party about the direction that Anthony Albanese is taking them. Can you tell me more about those concerns from within the Labor Party? What direction is the criticism of Albanese coming from? So it's really been coming from the right side of the party. Joel Fitzgibbon was the first member to express some serious misgivings about Albanese's leadership. Last November, he got into a huge fight with Albanese over climate targets and ended up quitting the front bench, going to the back bench where he's continued to throw little pot shots. He is calling for the party to return to its traditional base and he's particularly worried, being from a coal mining region, about Labor going too hard on climate and alienating some of those workers. But he's really been vindicated now, I think, by Shorten's comments and he's come out and said he welcomes the comments. Um, There's been a few other little rumblings. The CFMEU leaked some polling showing that Labor was likely to lose some of those Hunter Valley electorates under Albanese's leadership. And one of the organisers of the CFMEU, Elizabeth Doidge, actually called for Albo to go publicly last week. And she suggested that Tanya Plibersek might be a viable alternative. Mm. So given all of this, the, the CFMEU polling and Shorten's comments at this bookstore, how serious would you say the threat is to Anthony Albanese? Well, nobody has put their hand up so far, but... There's certainly a few people still waiting in the wings, people who stood aside in 2019 so that Albanese could come forward unchallenged. We've got Tanya, obviously, who's from the same faction and um, is being really promoted in strange quarters. Alan Jones is a big Tanya Plibersek fan. The Australian seems to be really behind her. But there's also, of course, a couple of people on the right, Jim Chalmers, who is probably still a little too inexperienced but has certainly been a high-profile Treasury spokesperson over the past 12 months, and Chris Bowen currently sitting in health, but probably not for long. But they're both from the the right, which would mean probably a a factional switch-up at the top of the ticket because the left and the right will usually split the leadership and the deputy leadership between them. Mm. And at this moment in time, how serious do you think any of these contenders are? Well, it's not clear that anybody actually wants to take it, considering... Labor is likely to lose the election either way, more likely to lose it under Albo, many would say, but it would be a, you know, poison chalice to be taking on at this point. Perhaps a new leader could save a few seats, but they'd be taking it on probably to lose and to hopefully come back around in 2024. We'll be back in a moment. The City of London in Andrew O'Hagan's latest novel is crumbling. But don't mistake this for pessimism. Instead, the author insists it's a necessary process for a better future. Change doesn't just happen because it's time for a change. Change has to be forced. We live in the end not in countries that are settled places. They're just imagined communities. I'm Michael Williams, and on this week's Read This, I sit down with Andrew O'Hagan to discuss his latest Caledonian Road. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. With award-winning news coverage and reviews, the Saturday paper is essential reading for everybody. 
For a limited time, subscribe to a year of our quality, independent journalism, and you'll receive the Saturday Paper's stainless steel coffee cup, made in collaboration with Fresco, for free. Subscribe from just $2.10 a week. Simply visit thesaturdaypaper.com.au forward slash offer. The Saturday Paper. No hot takes. Anthony Albanese, thanks for joining us. Good to be with you, Laura. You often ask the question... Rachel, on Wednesday night, Anthony Albanese went on the ABC 7.30 program where he faced some fairly tough questions, I would say, from host Laura Tingle. Can you tell me about what was said? So Laura Tingle asked Anthony Albanese a lot of the questions that people inside and outside the Labor Party are asking, but to his face on national television. Well, let's talk about Anthony Albanese. I've been quite shocked in the last couple of days by the extent of disappointment and despair felt by your colleagues about Labor's position and yours. They're deeply pessimistic that you can lead them to victory. How is it that you are confronting speculation about your leadership after such a short time? Oh, look, well, my, my leadership's secure. I will continue to advance. Uh... She asked him point blank about the speculation, about his leadership, you know, asking what's the point of your leadership, and even asked him head on about the fact that he didn't seem to have any burning desire to be Prime Minister. Somebody made the observation to me that the problem for you is that uh, in finally defeating Bill Shorten and becoming opposition leader, you've achieved your lifetime ambition and that you seem to lack that burning desire to actually become Prime Minister. And he sort of addressed those questions. He denied that his leadership was in doubt, but he didn't do a great job at laying out any particular vision. My ambition is for Labor to be in government. Uh, My ambition has never been about myself. It's about what Labor governments can achieve for the sort of people that I grew up with, the sort of people who need Labor governments. He said that a lot of people in this country need a Labor government and that that should be the only focus of the party right now, focusing on winning government for those people and so that anything else was self-indulgent, which seemed like a bit of a thinly veiled swipe back at Bill Shorten and anyone else talking about the leadership right now. One thing he did do, though, was confirm that a long-expected reshuffle is coming and in time for members to go back to Parliament on Monday. Right, and that reshuffle, that was actually announced yesterday afternoon. Can you tell me about what Anthony Albanese said and, and how his announcement ties into these bigger conversations about his leadership? So this is a strong team. The reshuffle is all about putting jobs at the centre of what we will do. Yeah, so Albanese came out on Thursday uh, with that cabinet reshuffle, which looks like it was brought forward a little bit because of the leadership speculation and some reports already about what it was going to look like. And most of our changes uh, do reflect uh, the existing government portfolios so that there's a consistency uh, there. And I think that is something that will be a positive. And it certainly does look like it's aimed at shoring up support. It looks like he's buying off some key factions that he needs support from. Some of his own allies have been demoted, while people whose votes he needs or perhaps is hoping to get have been promoted. But the most significant change and the one that everybody was waiting for was the fact that Mark Butler, who's from the left, a key ally of Albanese, uh, he's been moved out of climate, which he's held since 2013, uh, into health. And Chris Bowen, who had health and is from the right, has been moved into climate. And this is certainly something that's going to appease Joel Fitzgibbon, who's been calling for this um, ever since he stood down from the shadow cabinet. And at the same time, it's taking a key Albanese ally out of a really important position.
Right. As you say, even before the reshuffle was announced, Joel Fitzgibbon was talking about how he thought that this was something that Labor needed to do. Can you tell me more about what Fitzgibbon is angling for? Yeah, so uh, Joel Fitzgibbon's been out on radio again saying that changing jockeys is not enough. I believe it's a, a good start. It's, it will send the, the, Well, it will send the right message to our traditional base, but it won't be enough alone. That there needs to be confirmation from the Cabinet that they won't be taking a more ambitious climate goal. But the message for Labor is that to take meaningful action on climate change, you have to be elected. And you can't be elected unless you do demonstrate that you do have a plan for meaningful action that doesn't threaten the jobs of the people who we were born to represent. And Chris Bowen being from the right, it seems likely that Labor is going to really back off on climate now, taking Joel Fitzgibbon's line of let's leave it, let's not announce anything that's going to make us a big target and just going to upset people in those coal mining electorates. And that goes to the heart of it, I suppose. It's about the electorates that Labor thinks that it can and it can't win and ultimately whether it thinks that it can return to government. So is the sense within Labor that it is going to be fairly impossible for them to win at the next election? That's how it seems on the face of it, especially following the year that was 2020. It was a really incumbent favouring year. It was very hard for an opposition leader to get a word in without seeming extremely negative. And that's something that Albanese has defended, is that he was constructive in order to not be, you know, a Michael O'Brien type opposition leader in Victoria. But I think a lot of people in Labor still think it's possible that they could take this one. There's a lot of challenges on the horizon for the coalition. We're coming to the end of JobKeeper and the JobSeeker coronavirus supplement We've got the vaccine rollout and concerns that we may have picked the wrong vaccine and also the government's major industrial relations reforms, which, depending how hard they decide to go on it, it might turn the government into a target for Labor to go after. And Albanese has certainly indicated that's something he's going to be more willing to do this year. So it's still not clear whether Labor's totally out of the running. I mean, it's looking pretty bad for them. Albanese trails as preferred prime minister 60 to 28 in the end-of-year news poll, but the parties are actually still split 51-49. And so with a different leader, potentially, that could narrow further. Right. And so, Rachel, how likely is it, though, that we will have a potential different leader by the time that we head to the polls? Is Albanese still in danger or does this reshuffle signal the end of leadership speculation, at least for the time being? I'm sure Anthony Albanese hopes so, but ultimately the concerns are about more than just his position on climate. The concerns are about what a weak opposition leader he's been, how ineffective he's been in attacking the government. And it's the internal pressure from the party, but it's also this particular focus on these seats that he might lose. These seats in the Hunter Valley that polling does show would rather Labor didn't take the more ambitious climate goals. But it's also going to upset a lot of people on the left side of the party who do want to see Labor step up and be a leader on this. Ironically, you know, this is exactly what Phil Shorten said not to do, because this is certainly a tiny policy agenda direction. Rachel, thank you so much for your time today. Thanks, Ruby. You can read Rachel Withers' column analysing the tensions within the Labor Party in the Saturday paper tomorrow. As a listener of 7am, you can subscribe to the Saturday paper for half price. 
it's a great way to support the show and fund the independent journalism that drives it. A half-price digital subscription works out to less than a dollar a week. Go to thesaturdaypaper.com.au slash podcast offer to subscribe. This special offer for 7am listeners is available until the end of February. Sydney Dance Company explodes on stage with Momenta. This world premiere by acclaimed choreographer Raphael Bonicella is unmissable contemporary dance. Strictly limited season from the 28th of May to the 8th of June. Book now at sydneydancecompany.com. Also in the news today, it's been revealed that a 16-year-old in Singapore was detained in December after allegedly planning to attack two mosques on the second anniversary of the New Zealand Christchurch attacks. According to authorities, it was clear that the teenager was influenced by the Christchurch shooter's actions and manifesto and had taken steps to carry out a violent attack. And Victorian Premier Daniel Andrews has flagged that changes to the state's border arrangement with New South Wales are likely to be made today. It's anticipated that most of Sydney will be reopened for travel to Victoria. On Thursday, the Queensland Government announced that it was opening borders with Greater Sydney. I'm Ruby Jones. This is 7am. See you next week.